Podcast, Episode 9, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. A journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities. With your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest. We are excited to have you with us, and we are super excited for this episode in general. Uh, Today, we are going to be covering 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, directed by Robert Zemeckis, produced by Steven Spielberg, released not by Disney, as so many people might think, but actually by Touchstone Pictures, a Disney subsidiary. Now, <laughs> before we get too deep into this, why don't we introduce you to uh, the rest of the trio here tonight, our producer Jeremy. The Ginger Ninja could not be with us tonight, so I am playing producer. However, uh, we do have the rest of the crew here. Hey, this is Jeff. Hey, everybody, it's Justin. And I'm Adam. Now, this is this is a, a movie that I think we probably all have a history with, but I would be uh, curious to start out, Jeff, just kind of hearing from you, where, where are you at on, on the Roger Rabbit train? Uh, on the Roger Rabbit train? Um, well, history-wise, I don't remember when I saw this the first time, but I distinctly know that my childhood was forever scarred by Judge Doom. Christopher Lloyd was was just terrifying and the fascinating thing that I think was so interesting when we rewatched it just recently is the fact that when you watch this movie it's not really a kids movie I mean, unfortunately, because it has animated characters and everything like that, it's definitely people assume that it's for children. But I mean, like, when you look at Jessica Rabbit and you look at everything like that and you look at, like, even some of the stuff. Patty cake, Exactly. But even some of the, the, I mean, Judge Doom and the fact that he basically melts cartoons to death. Kills them. He does. He kills them. And he he uses the word kill them. Yeah, the yeah. shoe, man. The freaking shoe oh, the, is crying. It's horrible, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's, the, what, that's the reason they released it under that Touchstone label, right. is because Michael Eisner, who was the new head of Disney at the time, he's like, ah, we're not doing this. No, right. <laughs> Disney is not associated. <laughs> the thing, though, that I do love about it, and that's, well, there's, there's, there's a handful of things, but just to kind of go through the top of the list of it, is the one is, like you mentioned, Adam, is the fact that this was technically released through Disney, but it was actually made in cooperation between Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah. Which they do not get along. And so it was really interesting. And I, I was reading a little bit about it that they even had like they had it in their contract that Warner Brothers characters had to get the exact same amount down to the frame of time as Disney characters. Wow. So that's why in the movie Dis- uh, what is it? Mickey and uh, Bugs Bunny appear at the exact same time doing the exact same thing. Yep. And same thing with Daffy Duck and Donald Duck. So that there, there was this kind of like there was that level of this is not a Disney film, but it's not a Warner Brothers film. But they yeah. still managed to do it. The part that for me that I was watching it and just trying to like 
this is before green screen and before Avatar and before. Yeah, and it's man. Like, how in the world were they able to do the things that they were able to do? And they talked about like the puppeteering and the everything, but it was it's just it's an amazing film for that reason. And the 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 third one that I'm always that for me that always draws me back to this this movie is that the overall underlying plot which is kind of like a, a joke i guess is the idea of uh, judge doom's character buying up all of the cable cars so that he can drive him out of business so that he can open up a freeway the amazing thing is that's exactly what actually happened in los angeles is that Los Angeles in the 40s had an amazing public transportation system that the the car companies bought up and destroyed because they wanted to sell cars instead. And yet, to me, other than maybe Chinatown, this is the only movie that talks about that. Yeah. And that's a huge big thing that's definitive to the city of Los Angeles. And the only movie that talks about it is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That's crazy. <laughs> well, now, now one thing I'll just I'll just mention because you know, I, I was reading up on this as well. Now, many people may not know this, but you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is actually based on a novel. It's called Who Censored Roger Rabbit. It's like what? This, yeah, so it's based on a novel that was written in 1981. And um, yeah, it's crazy. People don't understand what? that. I can't go any higher than that. <laughs> That's all you well, got. The, the interesting thing about the book is, is the book is as opposed to cartoon characters, it's more comic strip characters. Right. And the big thing is, if, if that's the I was reading about that too, Adam, is that the book, other than the premise, they're actually very, very different because in the book, Roger Rabbit or whatever his name is, he he he's the one that kind of like hires valiant and then he gets killed and so the rest of the book is trying Whoa. to investigate who actually killed roger rabbit yeah so i mean that it, is dark it's it's, <laughs> it's way different there's like you know you have roger you have jessica you have baby herman and then that's it like there's like nobody else you know fr- and they took you a mean few... mickey and goofy and <laughs> Terribly sorry. I, I think there actually were some cameos by famous, you know, other comic strip characters. I think they said like Dick Tracy and things like that. But, but yeah. So it, the source material is very adult, and yet this to me this is like Top Gun. Like there's no way a kid in the '80s did not see this movie, whether or not it was right. for kids. You know, in in the end. Um, so uh, now, but Justin, do you remember the first time you saw this or under what I, circumstances? I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I remember it being just one of those movies that wowed me. And again, uh, with a lot of the other ones that we've seen, uh, except for Speed 2, which I didn't see again, uh, <laughs> I, I, I rewatched it and I just remembered how great it felt to watch it the first time. And not only that, but it's... It's it's a good movie. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's it it's sta- it's thank God it stands the test of time. And there are several movies that I've seen recently as an adult that I watched as a kid that I don't think do, but this one really did. And just the special effects, like Jeff was saying, were outstanding. The score was really good. I mean, you don't even notice it, and that's great. Like it's just in the background. It's heightening what's going on on screen. Um, everything, and I I. The one thing that I thought as a kid was um, Eddie Valiant, Bob Hoskins, didn't really do all that much other than this. I know he was uh, Smee in Hook. And he was Mario in Mario Brothers. That's right. But, like, that was it. I didn't – I don't really know that he did a whole ton. And I was like, this guy's great. He should do everything. And uh, and that didn't happen. 
and uh, and Veronica or whatever his girlfriend's name is. She no, I didn't. I didn't actually. She was fine. <laughs> Dolores. Uh, yeah, Dolores. But, uh, if you're out great. there. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Bob Hoskins just passed away, actually. Yeah. But he was a big oh. deal on the British. Yeah, he did a whole bunch. Yeah, did, Justin, did you know that he was British? Yes. Okay, yes. you do that part. Okay. Yeah, everybody's British that's a good actor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is true. So you know. now, <laughs> Darn you, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, uh, I both hate and love that guy. <laughs> I just love him. He's great. Anyway, not about Benedict Cumberbatch. This is about Roger Rabbit. It absolutely uh, is. Yeah, I I loved it, and I currently love it, and I hope they do make a sequel, maybe, if it's good. If it sucks, then I hope they don't, which is how I feel about everything movie-wise. So, uh, in conclusion, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> there we are. Now, I'll, I'll just say on uh, on my side... I, I I think I, I mentioned in our Beetlejuice episode, that was like the first movie I saw in theaters. And this was the second because this came out just a few oh, months nice. later. And uh, for me, very like, different. Oh, very different. But but still just <laughs> as wacky, I feel like. And, and what, yeah, Jeff totally. was, what Jeff was alluding to earlier, just like, you know, just the technical side of what they accomplished for me at the time. It was like the proof that cartoons were real. On some level, like I always wanted yeah. to prove it, and there it was. I was like, it's <laughs> right up on the screen. You can't deny it. And they're interacting, and it was so <laughs> seamless. Like they were touching people, and there was movement on their clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. like they did such a good job. And even just like the shading and like the shadows that they animated mm-hmm. onto the characters, like just really put them in that world. Plus, like what I was impressed by is Roger Rabbit, like just the character design itself you totally believe that he could have been this like forgotten animated character from the thirties. You know, he could have been there with Betty Boop and Ed Popeye and all those other guys. Like there's no reason Roger Rabbit couldn't have existed, you know? And, um, I, I think that when, when I, when I think about Roger Rabbit the most, what's interesting is how he kind of just disappeared after the movie. You know, we talked about it. It wasn't like official Disney, but Disney did sort of embrace him. Like they, they would did. put they would put other Roger Rabbit shorts in front of their movies, like Honey I Shrunk yeah. the Kids, and when they did, when and he was a character in the park, right? Well, yeah, he was. Yeah, they, they had they had a costume and everything, and I'm gonna get to a story about that in a little bit because I, I need uh, I need the listeners to back me up on something, but but yeah, so I mean like there there wasn't a whole ton of merchandise either in terms of like toys and things. Like I remember like a stuffed Roger and some bendable figures and a. You know, there was a, like a book and cassette. Stretch Roger Rabbit Armstrong. <laughs> Which would have been great. Stretch the ears out, right? But <laughs> but but like but I feel like it, you know, they, they they aimed it sort of at kids, but they didn't push it as far as they could. And then he didn't show up anywhere but those shorts, you know, if they put it in front of yeah. Honey I Shrunk the Kids, like I said, or Dick Tracy, or there were a couple other there were three of them, I think, total. But then what happened was Toontown came around right in 1993 disneyland opens mickey's toontown and for me like that was that was just as exciting as seeing the cartoons interact with the characters in the movie when i heard that toontown was going to be a real place i i remember vividly uh, getting on the train that goes around disneyland and when Mm -hmm. they pulled up they would stop behind it's a small world 
and you there was there were holes cut out in the hedge there and you could look through to where they had built Toontown you know it hadn't opened yet and they're mm-hmm. letting you get a preview and I just I couldn't believe my eyes like it looked like a living cartoon literally yeah. carved you know out of whatever it was carved out of you know but it just looks so real there was this hollywood sign that said toontown you know i was just like I yeah can't and the the hills in the background yeah. i remember looking at those hills and not knowing where the animation stopped and the real sky began because yeah. right. it just made everything look animated Right. Well, and I think that was the because th- that was the thing too. Because and for those of you that that we haven't mentioned this before, Adam and I both worked for Disney for a while, um, in Toontown at various points. Right. Um, but it was the thing that I felt like yeah, Disney intentionally distanced themselves and didn't make that connection where it wasn't Roger Rabbit's Toontown. Yeah. And even the Roger Rabbit because now that there's the cartoon spin that's the mm-hmm. Roger Rabbit ride that didn't come along until later. Right. Because yeah. of the darkness of this film. And I get the And feeling. now what is it? It's something else now. No, it's still Toontown. No, 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 Roger the the oh. car ride. Did they oh. change it? I didn't I didn't Did know I? that. I don't know. I know many anyway. people have gotten hurt on it, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's time to change it. But like well, but like but Jeff, what you're saying there, the whole cuz yeah, they called it Mickey's Toontown. I remember it seemed like back in like the the late 80s, early 90s, they were always doing TV specials to celebrate the new rides at Disneyland to promote them. And I remember when Toontown was coming out, there were these, like, there were these, this acapella group, you know, riding around on the Jolly Trolley, like, come to Mickey's Toontown, Toontown. And I was like, Mickey's (laughs) Toontown? Like, it's not Mickey's, but it was still super catchy. So I was like, okay, Mickey's Toontown, sing me that song again. You know, whatever you say, acapella group, I'm with you. Right, and it's the thing too. And again, that's why, like, which I don't know what your story is going to tie to, Adam, but with with um, Roger Rabbit, and that's one of the reasons that if you go to Disneyland, you've got maybe a one out of. I don't. I don't even. My guess is that Roger Rabbit hasn't appeared in Disneyland for about 15 years. Because when I was there, there was one gal who loved paying Roger Rabbit, and she would always beg for them to let her dress in the costume of Roger Rabbit and they would never let her because not necessarily because they wanted to distance themselves from the movie, but because Disney has intentionally kind of shoved Roger Rabbit aside where he is not considered in the main staple of, of cartoons because I think there was a backlash, not necessarily in a too much of a dramatic way, but just about parents taking their kids to see who framed Roger Rabbit and getting what they got and just saying, Oh my gosh, like this is like, I can kind of see parents shielding their children's eyes when they see Jessica Rabbit. What was it rated though? I I think it was, I think it was PG, but which should have given them some pause, but like, but like, it was definitely not G. Yeah, it wasn't G, but like the, the thing is that I don't get is that by that point, if Steven Spielberg's name was on anything, people should have finally realized. I mean, they created PG-13 rating because of his work with Gremlins, producing Gremlins, and then and then right. uh, you know Temple of Doom. Like, like they should have just caught. Okay, Spielberg is going to lure us in, thinking it's family entertainment, and it is definitely not going to be family entertainment. <laughs> and then scar our children. Yeah, exactly. But, like he did that over combine, and over again. Yeah. When you combine ET with Disney. Then it's like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they're. And, yeah, I just yeah. looked it up, guys. It's PG. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I, I was thinking it was PG-13, or it, it should have been PG. Was PG-13 around then? Oh, yeah, yeah, by that point, because it, it came it came it out for Temple of Doom, and I think Temple of Doom was, what, like, 80, before that? Okay. 82 or 84, somewhere in there. But at the same time, I don't know that it should have been PG-13, because there's no cursing in it. There's no, it's just, it's just dark. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, because the, the neat thing is, and that for those of you guys that have, that have studied film, is that, you know, there's a whole genre of film noir, which is that dark kind of like, it was a dark night and this dame came into my, like that's the very Humphrey Bogart sort of thing. And this is what this movie is. Yeah, this it's is really based a, off that. a Disney-ish uh, film noir. And again, I think it's it's brilliant, but it's also that difficult thing where it's like, I don't know that I would show it to my kids until they were 12, 13, something right. like that. PG-13. Something where they could appreciate it and not be terrified like I would. Yeah. Well, now, now, so getting getting back to just the d- Roger Rabbit kind of being swept under, under the rug because of that. Now, when th- this is where I, I need the listeners to, you know, shoot us an email, you know, tweet at us, whatever you're going to do here. Because I remember vividly going, you know, during those first few months of, of Toontown's opening. And I, I promise you, Roger Rabbit flew over Disneyland in a blimp. And there was a, ca- a costumed character up there, and then over the loudspeakers in the park, they it was Roger Rabbit talking to you and just you know doing his voice and you know encouraging you to have fun and go to tune out. And it just like like that for me just like made him this like wild unpredictable character. Mickey Mouse never did that, you know. Mickey Mouse maybe climbed the Matterhorn, <laughs> but he was not flying through the sky, you know, yelling at you. So so like and I don't know if anybody else ever saw that or remembers it, but I remember it. And if it was a dream, it was a very vivid dream that I've never <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> but like but I was just like, wow, Roger. And then he, and then he never like especially during the Disney afternoon era when they were just cranking out cartoons, I can't believe they never did a Roger Rabbit cartoon. Like, it just seems like an obvious thing that they would... Well, like they you would... said, they wanted to distance themselves. Right. Yeah, but but, but they could have kiddified it at that point, yeah, I feel like, and made it mainstream. if there is also that level, because, again, this was a cooperation with uh, Warner Brothers, and I don't know, yeah, how much the... Oh, yeah, maybe yeah, the rights... Are they okay? Thing. Yeah, like... Who's the pencil push has gotten in the way. <laughs> Which was interesting because I did, and I was reading about this that because it was basically Spielberg and Zemeckis working together and working on, you know, getting the rights to do all of these. Because beyond just Warner, you know, the big Warner Brothers ones and the uh, uh, Disney ones, there was a lot of other cartoon, you know, classic cartoons from the, was it Fleischer, the, the, the Max Fleischer commercial cartoons? Betty Boop makes an appearance. Um, and apparently the other two that they tried to get were, what was it, Popeye. They tried to get Popeye, oh, but they man. couldn't get Popeye. And then there was another one. Oh, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, so they were. it was them working. You know, it, So I just kind of picture Zemeckis and Spielberg sitting down with the representatives from Disney and Warner Brothers and hashing this out. And like, how do we make this work here, guys? And, Yeah, speaking of which, when you brought up the Fleischer name, I'll just say that, you know, the voice of Roger Rabbit was done by a guy named Charles Fleischer. Uh, If you if you might, his live action work has always been kind of limited. He was the old man in Back to the Future 2 that tells Marty about the clock tower when he goes to the future. He's in a lot of old age makeup. 
He was the doctor at the Sleep Institute in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. He's had kind of a weird career, but he was such a weird guy. He was so devoted to the character that on set, he actually wore a Roger Rabbit costume, like with the ears, wow. like with the full bow tie and all of those things. And he would just sit off camera doing all his lines for Bob Hoskins. And he was just like, he was so like into it. But the funniest story that I heard about that um, was that, you know, they, people that were on the lot, you know, watching the movie kind of be filmed and they were just aware of it. They would see him walking back and forth and they're like, wow, this movie's going to be terrible. They, they can't even get a decent <laughs> rabbit costume on this guy over here. Like, <laughs> so I think that's just hilarious that just people had no idea what it could be and what it ultimately became. Can you imagine the movie like that, though? <laughs> a dude dressed up as a rabbit. Well, I do have another bit of trivia real quick before we get into the the main uh, pitch uh, section of the show. But um, the original voice of Roger Rabbit, do you guys know who it was? Can you take a guess? He does. Harvey Keitel. He also has a controversial past with children's television. Oh, I do know this one. Pee Herman. That's right. Yeah, Paul Rubens. He was was the original voice while they were, like, developing it and trying to see if they could make it work with, like, their animation tests and all of that. So, like, he was, you know, he didn't ultimately get the part, but I just thought that was really interesting that it could have been, you know, Pee Wee Herman doing the voice. Well, let me throw one more. Distancing a little little bit. Exactly. Let me throw one more could have been at you, is that I I was reading today that um, the original person that was cast for Judge Doom was none other than Tim Curry, but after doing a screen test, they thought he was too dark. So instead, they decided to go with Christopher Lloyd. Really? Interesting. By the way, uh, one more thing I want to mention here is as we're getting on with the show, this is actually our third Robert Zemeckis film that we've covered in under 10 episodes. That's true. So, I mean, our first show was Back to the Future. Our bonus episode, which will be coming out eventually here because it did not make the Christmas uh, schedule, was The Polar Express, which he directed, and now Roger Rabbit. So I think he deserves some type of special recognition for his inspiring work that obviously has made a mark on us. So I think we yeah, need to give seriously. him this very sequelable. Yeah, the official sequel <laughs> salute to Robert Zemeckis. We Sorry. salute you. Shall um. we? <laughs> Wait, whoa. Wait, no? Uh, too soon? Little <laughs> too, too soon. soon. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> we salute you. Uh, no? All right, so for those who are not familiar with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you haven't seen the film, never picked it up on a video rental shelf, maybe you just weren't born back then, uh, I believe Jeff has a plot synopsis for us straight from IMDb. Yes, this one was written by John Wiggins. It is 1940s Los Angeles, in a world where humans and cartoons coexist. A famous tune known as Roger Rabbit has life easy, until he discovers that his wife, Jessica Rabbit, is having fun with the head of maroon cartoons. (laughs) Then things take a turn for the worse for Roger as he is accused of murdering Mr. Maroon. Roger (laughs) turns to a down-and-out detective named Eddie Valiant, who has a vendetta for tunes. What? He helps Roger, against his own will, escape from an uncompromising Judge Doom and even tries to clear Roger's name. In order to do this, he must travel all over L.A. and even into Toontown. All right, Wiggins. I would Wiggins. like to say that gets most of the r- things wrong. <laughs> Adam, what is yours? Just read yours just in case. So here's my. This was written by Anthony Pereira. Like literally P-E-R-E-Y-R-A. 
Pereira. Yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the story of a cartoon character named Roger Rabbit who exists alongside of real humans. Eventually, it is revealed that Marvin Acme, the owner of the Acme Company and of Toontown, has been murdered. But all fingers point to Roger Rabbit, a Toon star at Maroon Cartoons. But unfortunately, the only person who can prove Roger's innocence is Toon-hating Eddie Valiant, a washed-up alcoholic private detective who is reluctantly forced into helping when Roger hides in his apartment. It's up to Eddie to clear Roger's name and find the real evildoer before the villainous, power-hungry Judge Doom goes on a mission to bring Roger to justice. All right, I like Paella. All over LA. (laughs) The most important piece of the the (laughs) film. All right, so now is when we get into uh, the real meat of the show. Here, we're going to go through everybody's pitches. We're all going to take a few minutes, share with you our ideas for a Roger Rabbit sequel, the next installment we never got. So, Justin, why don't you start us off? Oh, I was going to recommend, Adam, that you start us off, because you never start us off in these. Uh, okay. I and think I think that fair. you should go first. All right. What well, do you say? Hey, I say A-OK. Well, actually, right. I want you to do it in your best Roger Rabbit voice. you got to give it to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wasn't that your Morgan Freeman voice? That was Morgan Freeman. Oh, you want to hear my pitch? My pitch is called Roger Rabbit 2. Toontown Confidential. Nice. So after the wall between Toontown and Los Angeles was broken down at the end of the first film, humans began integrating Toons into their society. Roger and Jessica founded a community called Toonville, where Roger serves as the mayor, and their fellow painted pals could feel safe as they were adjusted to life outside of Toontown. Now, the government passed laws against interbreeding between humans and toons, which was made possible by computer technology invented in the 50s. But illegitimate offspring were inevitable and shamefully hidden away in a Burbank orphanage that became known as the Uncanny Valley. And (laughs) so these unwanted part human, part computer animated pariahs were called seizures and eventually a revolution in the 90s that was led by Bob and Dot Matrix from the CGI cartoon reboot resulted in what were called erase riots between the tutors, the two-dimensional animated characters, and the seizures. So during the riots, they sealed the tunnel to Toontown to prevent any more violence, and no one has been in in or out for 30 years. Now, in the present day, Toonville is a rundown ghetto because the Seizures took all the jobs away from the Tudors in the early 2000s, leaving 80s and 90s cartoon stars like Ren and Stimpy and the Gummy Bears, Inspector Gadget, even the Biker Mice from Mars. (laughs) They're all forced to make ends meet working dangerous, like disgusting jobs that humans won't do. And then there's even <laughs> sub 2D animation stars that tried to stay relevant, like Garfield, Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Scooby-Doo. They chose to get digitized uh, to try to, you know, make their mark in Hollywood again. But it low, there was just low box office returns compared to the latest Seizure stars, who are called the Lil Guys who are obviously stand-ins for the Minions. Um, <laughs> so Bob and Dot Matrix now run a talent agency for upcoming Seizure stars, but one day are murdered via computer virus by an unknown hitman who leaves a trail of paint behind. Once the media breaks the story, a new Seizure rights advocate arrives on the scene in the form of Duncan Starr, 
a human-looking seizure with buck teeth and a cottontail who claims to be the love child of Roger Rabbit and his former co-star named Wanda Starr from the poorly received Bunny Lovin' Bozos released during a career revival attempt in 1970. And this caused friction now between Jessica and Roger because he won't deny the affair with Wanda, but he also won't confirm it. So... Duncan is a survivor of the Uncanny Valley Orphanage and accompanied by the little guys claims that he and his people are being victimized by the bitter Tudor Mafia and they make an ultimatum that if the supposed Tudor murderer is not caught in the next 48 hours they're going to be forced to attack Toontown. So in an attempt to prevent another outbreak of tune-on-tune violence... Roger and Jessica reach out to Ted Valiant, head of the ACSI, which is the Animated Crime Scene Investigation, and also Eddie Valiant's son. <laughs> which needs to have a spinoff TV show. Absolutely. And they, he's Eddie Valiant's son, and he's uh, called to solve the murder as quickly as possible. But after Eddie Valiant's death, the rabbits have been like a family to Ted, so he's really heartbroken to see the schism between Jessica and Roger now. And he's kind of gives him extra cause to solve the mystery. Now, Ted's partner for the last 20 years has been Launchpad McQuack from DuckTales and Darkwing Duck because he's just everybody's <laughs> awesome. sidekick. Yes. But he decides to retire to Toonville just before the assignment. So Ted gets a cute but tough kind of My Little Pony Equestria Girls style cop partner. Her name is Gal Glitters. And uh, he's not thrilled to work with her because he's actually like instantly attracted to her and he's kind of disgusted with himself. But they have to, you know, go forward to solve the case. So during the investigation, they're constantly being thwarted by the little guys who they eat the evidence, they sabotage their vehicles, all, you know, with Duncan pulling the strings. And they eventually set fire to Toonville which causes the tutors to swear revenge against the seizures. And in retaliation, computer-savvy tutors like Scooter from Muppet Babies, you know, he was always on a computer. They sneak onto Hollywood sets where the seizures are filming movies and they mess with their code. So it, like, modifies them into these hideous creatures which are not worthy of the screen and just messing up their, their filming. And then with time running out and the tensions nice. running high, Ted and Gal go to the Uncanny Valley Orphanage where they meet an older, mentally disturbed Wanda Starr who reveals that Duncan is not Roger's love child but the result of a wild night she spent in Toontown with the Roger Rabbit ripoff artist Harold the Hare. <laughs> and Wanda tells them that Duncan <laughs> snapped. He snapped mentally when he found out his father was such a low-level tutor and swore revenge while taking her hostage at the orphanage. So now Duncan ambushes the duo of, of Gal and Ted at the orphanage, takes them hostage. Duncan has his big moment where he's explaining that he planted the ink at the murder scene of Dot and Bob and gets you know just to get the fires burning. He then reveals that he sees himself at all other seizures as an abomination, and his true plan is to kill all all tutors and seizures at the gates of Toontown when they meet for this final battle by releasing a deadly computer virus and then flooding the Toontown tunnel with the dip. So the little guys are on board because they'll continue to reign supreme at the box office without the competition. So Duncan leaves Gallant Ted under a giant animated tune hammer that's going to smash them in five minutes while stowing Wanda away in the trunk of his car as they race towards the Toontown tunnel to be there for all the action. So Ted shares his romantic feelings with Gal. They come to terms with their relationships. Just before the hammer strikes, Launchpad shows up to save the day in a gyrocopter with Roger and Jessica in tow. 
and they revealed that they found them because Roger had planted a bug on Ted that turns out to be Zipper from Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, who was the little fly guy. I don't know if you guys remember him. Uh, and he was recording the whole confession. So Jessica and Roger make up, you know, everything's okay with them. They all fly off to the scene of the final showdown as the seizures are trying to break down the gates of the Toontown Tunnel. And Gal and Ted are stopping the little guys from letting loose the dip and the virus while Roger gets on a bullhorn and halts the madness from the sky. He plays Duncan's tirade for everybody to hear, so they stop fighting. But then they turn on Duncan and they want to kill him. But Roger stops him. He's saying the boy was just a product of a horrible societal injustice that forced him to feel ashamed. And he deserves a second chance. And just then, Harold the Hare comes out from Toontown to reconcile with his son. But during a tender embrace, Duncan tries to empty a flask of dip onto his father, which causes Wanda to jump in and struggle with Duncan, who is eventually given a super bunny thump kick by Harold, which incapacitates him. Duncan and the little guys are arrested while Wanda and Harold rekindle their romance. And in the aftermath, we see that Tudors and Seizures work together on what are called now Multimation films that combine CG, 2D, and live action. Roger becomes a senator and overturns the law, preventing interbreeding between Toons and humans. <laughs> while Ted and Gal give birth to their own little Seizure as credits roll. Amazing. I just is. want Roger Rabbit to be senator. <laughs> exactly. No, I just what... want... I'm sorry, what, what does a seizure look like, you the, said? Well, the seizures, they are like CGI characters, so they're computer animated, but the idea is, is that... they're half human? Yeah, they're half human and half computer animated, which is kind of how they have like corporeal form. So they look like everybody in Polar Express. Basically, yeah. Or, or you that's know, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or in some in some cases, they're kind of mutated, just like Duncan had the buck teeth and the the cottontail, the gotta be rabbit like and stuff. So so it it just kind of you know it depends on who their their animated parent was, you know. And depends on who's in the art department for the movie. <laughs> there you go. Who, yeah, who they, who they right, get the rights exactly. to. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, uh, Roger Rabbit 2016, everybody. I want to see that poster. There it is, right there. Although I have to say, like, I'm most proud of the phrase that it caused erase riots. Cause yeah, I, I thought you'd like that. I yeah. just imagine them out there, like, with giant, you know, you know whatever they're doing if it's like you know bottles of acetate dip or if they're doing it with actual giant uh pencils erasing each other no you know just like random stuff like that. i also love that you made that like relevant to society <laughs> you know like yeah. like the first movie is relevant and that has the trolley cars and it's about history of that but like you really brought in like the current struggles that are happening in our world today into a roger rabbit story i, I had to keep it you know somewhat dark and adult i knew we had to keep that so yeah. i had to work that in so i'm next okay so for mine i uh, i would i want mine set in uh 1952 so we're still back in uh, uh that era and my title is i'm not probably not roger rabbit 2 so instead this one is going to be who censored roger rabbit so uh, now five years nice. after the previous film, uh, Valiant and Rabbit have now opened up a uh, their own private detective office in Toontown, and they have several high-profile cases, um, which was... It, they referenced high profile cases in the first movie just because you kind of like panned over a couple of uh, um, 
a couple of uh, newspaper articles, and I'd love to be able to actually get a glimpse of those, but that's also tricky because you can't get too risque. You got to get just risque enough. So uh, the three that I came up with would uh, be Porky Pig uh, is is uh, accused of insider trading. And so uh, Valiant <laughs> Rabbit have to prove that he's innocent. Uh, they have to investigate. This one's maybe a little uh, works too on close so many for levels. Home. But uh, Betty Boop uh, has a mysterious death that they have to investigate, which is kind of sad because the gal that did Betty Boop, that was actually her last movie, is that she was the voice for in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then she died. So, uh, But at the same time, it's like, uh, okay, it's edgy. It's edgy. Um, and it seems like, I don't know how Marilyn Monroe you want to go. Anyway, and then Pluto, uh, the, the dog, would be uh, accused of grand larceny. So they have <laughs> yeah. to prove his innocent. Uh, innocence. So there's a couple of scenes maybe of something like that. And then uh, at one point after solving a crime or something like that in their own madcap way, or at least Roger's madcap way, uh, these men in coats come in and they arrest Roger and they take him away. And um, they give like, I don't know, maybe a card to Valiant or they say, but basically what we find out is that these are men from Joe McCarthy's hit squad that are arresting Roger Rabbit for being a communist. Oh. So they drag him away for wow. his communist work of being, uh, you know, all of these, they, they come up with some ridiculous thing about all of his cartoons being communist plots. He's got a red bow tie and red exactly. suspenders. It's perfect. His ears are red and he's got a girl that always wears red and who knows what else they come up with. <laughs> so then uh, Valiant and Jessica and Benny, I see, have to work together in the real world to go and and break uh, Valiant out of um, their clutches, and so they can use. Because uh, it, it was funny, my fa- and I was telling my wife this the other day. My favorite scene, for some reason, as a kid, my favorite scene from the original movie was right before Valiant goes into Toontown and he gets out his like cartoon gun and he fills it with the cartoon, something about him arming up to go in there. I love, so I would want a scene where they're like loading up, bringing in the fake mallet and the, 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 the portable holes and the, all these cartoon props that they're going to be able to use to, to bust um, Roger out of uh, prison. Wait, so who gets, who gets arrested by McCarthy's? Is it Valiant Roger, or is it rabbit? Roger rabbit. Roger, okay. Yes, Roger Rabbit, yeah. So, yeah, so so Eddie Valiant and Jessica need to team up to go and rescue Roger with Benny the car. So they go, and, you know, there, there needs to be a couple other hiccups in the way or something along those lines. But basically, and this is where I, I ran into kind of some bumps about I need another major thing to have happen, which if we if we go with this, we can all, we all work on that. But ultimately, what I would see the major conflict being is that the major bad guy declares that all tunes and the tunes way of life in cart in toontown are communists because they don't they don't use money and they don't use you know everybody they just do whatever they want and everybody blah 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 they declare their way of life there's no hierarchy right everybody's kind of equal something like like that yeah so they declare that they are communist and so they're out to get them so basically at the end the only solution that is left is the tunes realize that they have to relocate toontown away from human eyes so they go to some like hidden mysterious valley somewhere where humans will never find them again so they withdraw from human society so that they're no longer you know 
participants in them, but there is this like the one portal that we get to their world is that um, Eddie still remains this conduit where they will give him like videos of their life. And so then all of the cartoons that we see from then on, which are entirely in the cartoon world, come through Eddie Valiant and then Eddie Valiant's offspring. Wow. Yeah, that was a twist. I was not expecting that. <laughs> That's like sad. That's a really sad ending. Like I said, this is a, these are dark movies. And so, because that was, that was the thing I was thinking about is that at the end of the movie, at the end of Who Friend Roger Rabbit, they're in Los Angeles with Toontown right there and no such thing as freeways. We don't live in that world now. So how do we get from there right. to here? So you have so to get rid of Toontown somehow. Get rid of Toontown, build your freeways, et cetera, et cetera, because they're communists. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely PG-13, that one. <laughs> no, it's still PG. Be like, Toontown had to leave. Yeah. No, because it, it always exists, and they're always making movies, and they're they're happy in their own little their own little world. All right, yeah. Justin, what do you have for us? All right, mine's more of a synopsis, and uh, my title, by the way, Jeff, I think the title for yours should be America versus Roger Rabbit. Ooh. Okay, I can see that. Um, uh, so mine is, who is Roger Rabbit? So mine is set in present-day Los Angeles, because tunes never age, so every, all those tunes are the same. Uh, this story sees Roger Rabbit framed for the assassination of the president of Toon World, a conglomeration of Toon Towns that are in California, Tokyo, Paris, and Orlando, Florida. Eddie's Eddie Valiant's son, Teddy, named after Eddie's brother, is a CIA agent who has been looking for his father, who has disappeared several years ago after he and Dolores split up. Roger enlists Teddy's help, and they go on an international hunt for it for the real killer. In the process, we meet all of Roger's relatives, including Roberto Rabbit, a hulking Cuban rabbit who sneaks them out of America by plane, Rodney Rabbit, a slick British rabbit who works for MI6 and helps Roger and Teddy get some important clues, and Ralphie Rabbit, a crate... Uh, the crazy estranged brother of Rogers who seems to be involved in the assassination plot. After dodging bullets, escaping certain death, and at least one performance from Jessica maybe on YouTube, our heroes discover that an older Eddie Valiant has been behind the plot all along. He blames tunes for his divorce and uses Ralphie Rabbit as his patsy just to stick it to Roger. Roger and Teddy are triumphant and Toon World is saved. Ooh, wow. Eddie's the bad guy. Taking Eddie. Wow. Turn going bad yeah. on this. That's rough. That's rough, man. <laughs> Count on Justin <laughs> take it as, as dark as possible. Break our hearts. I don't know. Well, yeah. Because, again, this but, is a dark uh, movie. Okay. This is yeah. But I but I love I love that idea of all the, all the different you know, rabbit you know, yeah. relations. I think that's so cool that they would they would be there to take yeah, kind of help their like, heist or you know of finding the real. Although killer it does kind of like doing. it makes me nervous because a lot of times when you see established characters' families, it has been done very poorly, like Scrappy Doo and the entire uh, Big hey, Bird Go Home family. But it can be done well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Well, and it I, makes me think of the rabbit from Space Jam, the hot one. Lola. Yeah. Lola yeah. Rabbit. Lola Bunny, I think. Sorry. Bunny My bad. Machines. My bad to all the Lola Bunny yeah, fans. Yeah, not related to Roger. No. no. So, so yeah. So, but your your basic just just so I understood, who was who was the one he? How was Roger set up again? What was he set up for or framed for? Uh, the assassination of the president of Toon World. President of Toon World. Who was okay. a Toon or a human? Uh, a human. Because Toons can't die. Basically, the president of Disney. Gotcha. 
Well, the the good news is, I mean, I, I feel like we all kind of definitely took it in a good direction where there's nothing that's too um, too off the wall that, that we can't put the parts and pieces together here. Um, right. I don't know. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, my vote is with Adams. They're all very like, completely different. Yeah. They're, I, uh, they're I, I like Adams. I like the... I like the seizures and the the whole like development of that. I just want more Adam. Yours doesn't yours doesn't have a lot of Roger. Well, that that was the thing. That 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 was true. Like for me, it was when I looked back at the original film. If you think about it as well, yes, he. I mean, he. There's a lot more of him and Eddie interacting, but it's really Eddie's movie as opposed to Roger's right. movie. So that right. was kind of where I was taking right. it as well as making it more. Okay, now it's it's you know Eddie's son which we were both on the same page there, naming him Teddy, Ted, you know, after his brother. Um, but but when I was saying that we could put it in there is I felt like Justin's idea of having the different rabbit, you know, family members helping out, that's definitely something that maybe we could work into it where mine wasn't very Roger heavy, but maybe right. there's a, a subplot within there where that could work in. Well, what if, well, because the other part too, because I would think that, in finding common ground is that the one thing that it seems like is that we've got, we've got mine where it was back in that day, moving us into our current present day, as opposed to you guys did this alternate universe where tunes and humans still coexist in modern day. So that, that could be our starting point. The two of you guys kind of led with that. So if we kind of start with our world is today, but in a world where tunes live with humans. Yeah, well, well, at the same time, Jeff, we could use your concept, I feel like to a certain extent, where that is maybe the backstory for why the law was passed, that they weren't allowed to interact, if you guys think that that's a good plot point, because it could be that all of that happened. Eddie and Roger worked together, and then there was this whole... Cob, you know, like they were, because it could be like kind of like a little intro story that they show, or like a newsreel. Well, that's the thing. past. That's what we have to go off of as the past. Yeah. Is that they they had to move Toontown? Yeah, because you were saying that that happened in the fifties, and if you remember my story, I was saying that technically, like whatever computer technology they had at the time, they developed the ability for for Toons and humans to interact through their experimentation. Since it was that era of sci-fi and science and stuff, is why. I've, so, like, it, it could definitely be something where that happened. Th those types of things are being developed and then you know then mccarthy I'm, gets involved i'm gonna vote though that maybe we simplify and don't have the like humans and tunes mating part <laughs> yeah, that seems in, creepy, in yours so maybe <laughs> it's just cg versus 2d i was just trying to thing. take patty cake to the next level but yes I, yeah, I, understand what yeah. You're I got that i i totally got it <laughs> okay um, no no but, but i, I can, agree you can do what you want to do what you did in yours and just have the two the two factions find the reason for them to be battling then yeah well the reason is the jobs the, just and the, over the, the jobs. reason why races battle today what if, yeah, because what if it's instead, and I mean, again, I don't know if you want to do the seclusion of, of Toontown or something like that, but you could do like, yeah, like you were saying, Justin, where it's the, the CGI versus the 2D, because in Toontown, that was all 2D. Right. And so if we have like yeah. CGI, they could, they come from the grid from Tron or something. I don't know. They come from a whole <laughs> totally. different place. Or there's a, there is a grid-like Toontown, like 
well, they can have their own or town. Yeah, yeah, maybe they yeah. just they live in the uncanny valley. Like that that's where the CGI okay. people and they're like they're I don't know if, if they'd be the hipsters per se, but they would Silicon be Silicon like, Valley. Yeah, like but like the two D, you know, characters would definitely be the old school generation and then right. you have the CGI characters who are all like full of themselves and they're the big stars now and they're, you know, just like right. stirring up. But but then we have to figure out, okay, so what is the 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 catalyst for them and you know aside from there's that tension but is there going to be like well, a what big was event? yours Adam my mine was it got killed didn't yeah that that the 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 people Bob and Dot Matrix from reboot that they got they got murdered and that they were kind of like you know the big the big CGI patrons you know the seizure patrons so then that was like the first thing okay now they feel like they're under attack and then the little guys went and burn, burned down Toonville. So then now the 2D people are, oh, there's retaliation. So now it starts going back and forth, you know. So Yeah, I don't think you need now to is... go with, like, completely burned down Toontown mm-hmm. or Toonville, but, like, just make Toonville Toontown um, okay. and have it be uh, the death of, like, the big... There's already this battle going on that we set that, already a battle going on between the two factions, mm-hmm. and the inciting incident is the death of the biggest stars of the CGI world, and yeah. there, and because of that, there's an impending ta- attack happening on Toontown. Which, which could be the little guys. The little guys, you know, you can just totally. imagine the chalk outline of them. And yeah. Whatever. Well, what about? Because I was kind of thinking instead of that, like, what if, especially because you're, because my thought is too, is if you're, you're picturing today's audience where reboot. They might remember Reboot, but for most people, it doesn't have this yeah. like soft spot where you're like, oh, that was my favorite. No, everybody was kind of aware of it, but for me, I felt like very few people actually watched it. They just knew it was on, but it was one of the first like CGI. Exactly. That that was so, really the one so that like, what if, lasted, so people would yeah, remember it. What if you know? instead of her being the big star, what if it is it the girl was the star from Reboot? I thought it was the boy with the hat. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I don't Enzo even know what you guys the, are talking about. The, what is Reboot? <laughs> It, it, it was a, it was a show it was from a the Saturday 90s. Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and it, it? they were yeah. like they were like these blue-skinned CGI characters, and they fought this kind of robot overlord guy inside the computer world. How about and, making it Woody and Buzz? Well, that was my problem. Is I, I was trying to look at it realistically, like would they? I don't. I don't think them. they wanted they want to do anything with their real big deal characters. I was trying to find characters that were like kind of semi-forgotten exactly. and disposable exactly. that you could do that kind of stuff right. too. Well, that's what I was okay, thinking. So what they're if, like they're the patron. They they're the like the ones that everybody look up to because they were the first. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was thinking. What if we make her or him or whatever the lead from reboot? Because it was kind of like a, a pioneer sort of a thing. Right. What if they're like the Martin Luther King Jr. sort of a thing? Like they're the ones preaching for this, like we need to all get along and then they get killed. Okay. And that's what incites this. Oh. But but why, I get, the, the question is why would there be, if, if both sides are kind of looking up to these people to keep the peace, when they when they die, are they instantly pointing fingers at each other? That, the, that we're saying that just because, like, like I said, like there was the paint was planted at the scene, so now CGI people are being led to believe that it was a two D murderer. Is that what you guys are on board for? Well, it should. Be I like- I think it should be that not instead of maybe because the Martin Luther King Jr. might not that that idea might not incite more violence. I mean, it could, and just take the story of Martin Luther King Jr. and follow that story that mm-hmm. he was, uh, that reboot was preaching pacifism and uh, the 
to but I don't think we should make the 2D world hate pacifism. So I think it should be that yeah. like right. it's that, not that. The, I mean, the reboot is the is the prince of 3D world or is some sort of leader. You know, he's not the big star, but he's someone who's in charge there and is a figurehead, a symbol rather well, than that's what I was thinking. It wasn't so much hating pacifism. It was more this idea of like, it's kind of like if you guys ever saw the warriors is that the warriors are all about street gangs in New York or mm -hmm. somewhere. And then there was this one guy who was talking about, we need to unify all of the street gangs and like, we need to blah, blah, blah. And then somebody kills him. Right. And then there's such outrage over, you killed the one guy who was going to like bring oh, peace. Oh, Jeff, blah. you just, you just gave the, the, the warriors with, with Roger and like 2d characters having to fight their way through the, the CG through the uncanny Valley to get back to toontown there it is right there the warriors with animated characters that's awesome <laughs> See, but the other thing is though that i do think and that was the thing i was feeling about yours adam is that the magic of roger rabbit is that it's not just animation you've got to have like animation right. with live action real yeah. life. exactly so like if it was yeah like maybe 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 the three D maybe ooh maybe this is it maybe the the CGI people have been so accepted because they look so real mm -hmm. that they live with everybody else oh, and yeah. so that then you can have you could do the warriors thing if you want you could do it and they're fighting against both like humans and CGI together. I see what you're saying. So, so, but, but in that case, then would is Roger being framed again? Is there? Are we gonna pin it on one particular? I think it should. Because it's gotta character? be on a. T it's gotta be on. A, otherwise, there's no reason for the conflict. Yeah, but my my it might I, as well be Roger. But I'm wondering, should it be that Roger is like the protector? of somebody that he knows is innocent instead because because otherwise you're just kind of repeating the first film sort of where it's like oh he's framed again so like but but maybe that's that's in keeping with the series yeah. so it would be who i think you should Roger rabbit too you know what did the new star wars do basically repeated sorry oh, spoilers yeah, anybody who's listening <laughs> basically repeated basically what the first war what yeah, uh, that's so what it was. Said. Yeah, so it was so basically it, the same movie, but I don't think that that's yeah. bad. I think if you do enough different with it, mm -hmm. that it will. And I think we have enough different, different with the world, okay, that it can be Roger Rabbit was framed again. Okay, yeah. I, I and now um in in the case of do we still want him then the the he does have a human friend who is Ted, who is Eddie Valiant's son. Do we feel like that we like that idea? Definitely. Yeah, because it can't yeah. be Eddie, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think it should be Eddie Valiant's son. I think it should be Ted, and he works for the government in some capacity. Or because I don't, in, if the world is this grand, I don't think him being a private eye is really gonna. Right. No, not anymore. That's what I was saying. If he's part of the ACSI, then it makes sense. And then sure. That he's best friend, you know, or he's family basically to Jessica and Roger. So then yeah. he has that connection with them. So now he's he has like the personal need to do that. So the other question I have then is since, you know, my my Duncan star character and all of that really was more tied to the whole, you know, crossbreeding thing. Who would right. be the villain? Like, who's who is the one that is then setting up kills. Roger, and who's who's trying to do that? What's their maybe? Reason? It was more of a personal vendetta within the 3D community. It's another 3D character. But again, then we're doing the same 
as the first one. What if it's James Cameron? <laughs> that that would be a surprise. James Cameron. That would be hilarious, and I think too real. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, why would he uh, want it? I hate all cartoons. No, that's that's not. Uh, I mean, because I mean, we we've set up that you know that that the general conflict is that you know the two D characters feel like all the CGI characters took the jobs from them. But then how would somebody benefit or profit from, I mean, are we saying that like somebody wants all the, you know, the 2D characters to be wiped out somehow and that would benefit? Maybe it was actually a human. Characters? Was it human? See, I thought about that, but then why would a human, why? I mean, again, you could do this. Because CG is about to take humans' jobs. Oh. So they want to wipe each other out? Uh, They're hoping that they're, well, they're hoping to just get rid of the CG because CG is like the whole plan of CG. I mean, and this is, I think, some people out there think that like, CG is eventually going to take over and there's not going to be any people that are going to be in Hollywood. It's all going to be motion capture or whatever, which is ridiculous. So I think it should be somebody in that world that's maybe a friend of Eddie's in the beginning and seems kind of hapless, but ends up being the guy who is... Andy Serkis. Sure. <laughs> taking my which job away. But a person based off of Andy Serkis. I don't think it should be yeah. Andy Serkis. I know, I know. No, 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 but um, what about, what about, what if we do something where it's like, what if they're, and, and I'm not sure how we would introduce it, it'd be pretty easy, you could just like, yeah, show something, is that like, the biggest thing running is that there are these movies with this huge, big human star who is always with like CG. He's always with tunes. He's always with CGI tunes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And those are the biggest movies ever. Totally. Maybe that's why. And then it turns out that he and he's is the one that the ends end. up being the, yeah, because he hates Dig it. Because he Love hates it. the tunes Cut stealing his thunder. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that, yeah, that works like really could well. Be humans that could be his sidekicks and not tunes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's good. Done. So that 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 works. So just so just so we're kind of recapping. Are you listening, President at Disney Touchstone, whatever? So so what what we're saying is that you know uh, we 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 now are we establishing also just so I'm understanding that there already were the race riots in the '90s during the time that CGI characters were coming to prominence, and then that. Kind Kind of was... I don't think I don't think it needs to go that real. Okay, so that's still too much. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it, that's that's I think that's neither here nor there. Like, so, yeah, if we're focused on just the fact that there is this conflict, yeah, if we want to make the conflict darker, yes. If we want to keep it a little bit lighter, then no. okay. So basically, there we're just at that time where there is the conflict between the two D and the C the CGI characters. And then yeah, and the it's peacekeepers been building and building are and it's... the peacekeepers are uh, the main character from reboot. Who Bob is who I was thinking is the main character. Jeff thinks it's Enzo, the little kid. I don't know. We, I we don't just... know. I never really watched the show. <laughs> I say I just we just have all three the of them. All three of the main characters. Still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so, but they they are murdered, and supposedly it looks like it's by the hand of a. Of a 2D animated character, Roger Rabbit. So then now Roger has to make his way through the uncanny valley with the help of Ted Valiant uh, in order to save the day uh, or to save Roger's life. And so they're kind of fighting their way through trying to solve the case along the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, we're introduced to this famous actor character who, who always is partnered with the uh, CGI animated characters and we see his bitterness somewhat until he finally is revealed 
to to be the one behind the the murder so at that point you know roger's cleared it can we think of any any event where that would occur as to or like like is there a big set piece where then you know the the truth is is revealed or do we just say that kind of like in mine where there was finally that big battle and then Roger is able to reveal it like they have a recorded testimony or something. It's I think that cliche, would be a but... really cool thing where they're like there is like the tensions are building between the two factions so much so that there is about to be a war mm-hmm. on the like Roger Rabbit is making his way out of the city and there's about to be a giant battle on the border of uh, 3Dville or, or Silicon the uh, Uncanny the Valley. Valley. Yeah. Yeah, the valley and and all of the 2D tunes are like going up to the border and like there's about to be a huge thing and Roger is able to Roger and Ted are able to settle it with a recorded uh thing of of the big box office. Now, we'll call him Box Office Benny. <laughs> uh, so I, I have one of, quick question that too. We should go with the name. What, what's that guy's name? Oh. Ted Humperdinck? Why not? <laughs> Ted Humperdinck? I like it. Well, it can't be Ted. We already got a Ted. Oh, it can't be Ted. Yeah. So it Howard. could be, uh, I don't know, Roger Humperdinck? No, Roger Rabbit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> Scrabbing all the names we already used. You know what? How about Jeff Humperdinck? <laughs> what what about Duncan yeah. Star? I already had that name in use. He could be Duncan, Duncan Star. Star. Yeah, Duncan Star. Perfect. Yeah. Done. Duncan Star. Love it. And um, so then uh, I just have one more question because it's just a thought that I have just as kind of like, again, a kind of a subplot throughout where there would be tension with the core group of characters. Do we want Ted to have a seizure um, partner so that so that, you know, you kind of she is like kind of not trusting Roger. Roger's kind of not trusting her. So like there's, that. there's a little like bit of tension there. So we could still builds, have that. Builds tension. Yeah. Have that gal glitter. And that way character. there's a representative of each. Yes. That, that was my thought. Because then you could have those okay. philosophical discussions along the journey. They would they would be, you know, talking to each yeah, other. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that is that's awesome. So now we get to get into the fun stuff when we when we talk about the title. So, what kind of title are we going for? Then, kind of knowing what, you know where that we've taken it. I mean, I, of course, you know, I love to mix numbers. What was the title? What was your title, Adam? Well, my mine was just um, uh, Toontown Confidential, but I love the idea of having the two. You know, like it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Toontown Confidential. That's a little too much, but having having yeah, because then you miss the tune. Yeah. Part. Uh, the cartoon part yeah how about who framed roger rabbit 2 t-o-o oh okay that's that's interesting yeah well, that, that can maybe work. right because somebody framed him again yeah <laughs> who framed roger rabbit 2 that, that's very teen wolf 2 by the way yeah. i'm sure you haven't seen that but <laughs> teen wolf comma t-o-o oh right <laughs> jason bateman check it out he boxes instead of plays basketball but Jeff, did you have another thought for? Uh, uh yeah, that's it's, um, that's my vote. Yeah, that's I don't know. I kind of wanted to go, although you're right because we are talking. We're we're framing Roger Rabbit again. Yeah. So it seems like connecting it in there. Yeah, because it, because if we if we go with Toontown Confidential or whatever, I mean, it, to me, like that almost seems to uh, it, it. People aren't going to make the connection. And now we're not spending right. a lot of time in Toontown. Exactly. We're spending we're not a lot of time in the other place. All, yeah, it's it's yeah. not super related anymore. So. Yeah, right. Who Flamed Roger Rabbit 2, T-O-O. Good. Now, thinking about the poster art in this case then, 
I mean, do we want to just focus on Roger where he's, you know, like cuffed up again, you know, maybe I, I always go for the silhouette. I'm like, he's in silhouette. and <laughs> That's always my go to. But or do we want to do something where we're showing Ted and Roger kind of being wacky together like like Eddie and uh, and Roger were on the original posters? And uh, what, what about a sure. I think the teaser teaser poster would probably be just two ears. Roger's two ears. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but for the real I poster, a, I, was I don't know. I don't think the poster. real poster, like a copy of the old poster, would work today. No, no. Well, plus it was like it was too simple. Like it was like literally like a blue background, and then the two of them, right? Like yeah. it was like nothing. And writing in the car, oh. and then and then the yeah, then one on in the, the car is the one I've seen. Yeah, so and that that's the more recent art that they've put together for like DVDs and stuff. But oh, is it? Yeah, but the if you go back and look at the original VHS covers, it's just like Eddie and Roger just oh, and him just there. Yeah, I mean it's there's not much happening. Um, but like I think that that could work as just being like Teddy and but the thing is nobody knows Teddy yet. So right. having right. Teddy on there, unless but Teddy's the big star. That's what I'm saying. Depending on the casting, then I think it yeah. works well, pretty yeah. well. Than um, having Roger with the new star of the movie, totally. Yeah, and then what I about mean, a oh, go ahead. what about a wanted poster? Okay, yeah, that, that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely. Like an old black and white sort of a old western style. Well, but then it makes people think that it's a western. Yeah, do we, they? It's just that's what wanted I posters so. looks I like. I think if you, isn't it? I mean, you don't put them in western outfit. It's just that style of you know, it's like that brownish. Well, but but I don't know. Does it have to be that? I mean, couldn't it just be like the very cheapo, like the the literal type that was just printed off a computer that you see up at the post office? You know, (laughs) like like it it looks like it was just a a modern day wanted poster. Oh, well, yeah. Has Roger? It could be one that's like wanted, like lost pet. (laughs) (laughs) But not say lost pet. Yeah, it'd be like a wanted poster that somebody would like staple to a tree. Yeah. And then, uh, but that wouldn't make sense anyway. Um, <laughs> so you're a speciesist just because he's an animal. He's an animated animal. <laughs> Treat like him that. like a Is pet. Is that a thing? A speciesist? I'm sure that has to be. Um, t- talk to the people at PETA; they could tell you. <laughs> um, but no, I yeah, I, I I like the idea of a wanted poster just because it is it is different. Uh, but like I said, and it, there's no reason we can't have multiple poster designs too. But I I do kind of like the idea of just having Roger and and the new you know the yeah, new I Valiant. like the new guy like holding a gun very confidently back to back with Roger and Roger's like fumbling the gun. How is yeah. how is he fumbling? That's neat. Uh, it's falling out of his hands and he's trying to grab it. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, and I, actually, I think what would be good then is on either side is like maybe like, you know, behind them, just like we have the new CG partner character and then we have Jessica, just so you kind of have the two females behind him. What do you think about okay. that? Yeah. And they could be maybe looking, giving each other dirty looks. Yeah, exactly. You can so you can see the tension between yeah. the two parties. That works real well. Yeah. Like you can feel the tension in the poster. You can just feel it. Right. And I feel like throughout the film, too, that Roger would be like the peacekeeper, but maybe Jessica is the one who's more, you know, she's she's kind of more militant about it, you know, and something like that. Anyway, that's 
neither here nor there. Let's get into the casting. <laughs> now, I, I, I have. So, wait, can we do a recap oh. of what the? Did either of you like jot it down? What would be the recap of the the movie, real quick? I just, like, I, I, I did he, do that. He just did that entire thing. <laughs> you did that about ten minutes ago. Yeah, he went literally like step by step <laughs> through the whole thing. But you just want to. Justin, uh, would it be helpful if you had a, a list of the characters? Should we go just? Th- why don't we just there go we through go. the characters we need? Let me start over with that. I'll sure, and let's find actors to play them. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into the casting. Let's just kind of go over the new characters that we've created here. So obviously we have Ted Valiant that we need. We have the new, who I was calling Gal Glitters. So if you guys are fine with that, she's the new CGI partner of Ted. Uh, yeah. And then we have to figure out who who would play Duncan Starr, the evil uh, plotter who's uh, trying to get everybody killed. Um, uh, oh, I've already got a vote not for He's not evil. Her. He's not evil at the beginning. Exactly. He's a good guy. He gets I've already turned? got a vote for him. Greg <laughs> uh, um, Kinnear. So start with? Start with, uh, let's start with Duncan. What do you got, Greg, Jeff? Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Interesting. We haven't I seen like him in a while. You feel like he's yeah. got some evil in him. Bring huh? that guy back. Yeah, I it's, I was gonna say Hugh Jackman, from, but oh okay, it's mostly from Mystery Men because it feels like a very similar character that he played in Mystery Men. I see what you're saying. Yeah, now um, I guess like nice. the the only the only thing I wonder about, and maybe it's just because he's we'll say he's an established actor because Greg Kinnear is kind of old by this point, isn't he? I mean, he's he's getting up there. He was just in that. He doesn't look old though. He's oh, that really? kind of a guy because he was just in what was that Rake that show. Okay. And well, he still looks, you know. About well, it may, the same. maybe that works because you say like he's been doing it for so long and now he's finally yeah. snapping. So he's an older, established actor. Or maybe he was bigger and then he like has that. been forced into doing these team ups with <laughs> with the animated yeah. characters for so and he's long. Kinda so, I like that. He's kind of so lovable that you're like, no way is uh, this guy yeah. going to be. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it helps the mystery a lot more. Okay. Now, my my vote for uh for Ted Valiant, Jonah Hill. I feel like Jonah Hill oh. would be great in that role. He's not hard boiled, uh, but but I think that, that that would be he could start sort of still be like exasperated by Roger and just be like, "What are you? I don't want to, you know, you know what I'm saying like like yeah, he, he would I be like more that. nervous energy, whereas Eddie was more angry energy. You know. Yeah, but then that makes this a Jonah Hill movie. <laughs> I feel like he, he makes it, he's Aww, that definitive. Jeff doesn't like Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill is great. America disagrees with you, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, do you want somebody who's maybe a little more like up and coming and not going to steal the spotlight is kind of what you're saying from Roger? Well, I was just thinking like, I don't know, for me, uh, again, Bob Hoskins, yeah, there's a little bit of that where it's just, because that was the thing is that now with Jonah Hill, and I mean, you guys can say better than I because you've probably seen more of his movies than I have, is that Bob Hoskins was the consummate straight man. That was what made the the climax of the movie, the, the original movie, where he decided to do a comedy routine so classic is that he didn't crack a joke the entire time. He was absolutely the straight man. So... Right. For Jonah Hill, like if Jonah Hill can do that and not be funny and not try and get the laugh at all for the entire movie until something happens at the end, like, okay. But I feel like, yeah, that's kind of letting Roger be Roger. 
but but that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like in in this 21st century now, there's a there's kind of a different dynamic that people would expect in their buddy cop kind of movie, yeah. Sort of, and so that's why I was thinking to George Jonah Hill, yeah. or you know who could even do it, who's a little bit older and maybe a little more believable as the child, just like age wise, is Ben Stiller could probably do a pretty good job at that too, just for his exasperated, you know, oh. night at the museum style, you know. Totally. Ben Stiller would be Ben Stiller would be really interesting, especially because yeah. of all the like recent movies that he's been doing. What about Jerry Stiller? <laughs> you want no, it? No, you got it. I just I joke. Ben Stiller. What did you say, Jeff? I said Jerry Stiller, his dad. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna say Jack Nicholson. I was like, wow. So, but I mean, like, so I mean, it, so, it sounds like, you know, it's kind of a, a head scratcher, Ben Stiller. Could he work? Could he not? But I, I feel like, I don't know, to me, you, that people want a different kind of take on how someone's going to react to Roger now versus, yeah. versus back then. That's what, that's what I feel like. Like there were more. I like, I like either of those choices. Yeah. I, Jonah Hill, Ben Stiller, I dig them. Well, Channing see, Tatum, why not? Uh, I know, uh, of course. No, because here's my thought is, is that, and, and I'm going both ways in my brain right now, is that so if you think about it, that the problem that Greg Kinnear or whoever, Duncan, is going to have is that he doesn't like sharing the spotlight with a tune. He doesn't like playing second fiddle. So it's kind of that question of then, do we make Ted that's going to be the, 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 the opposite where he's going to work well or at least learn to work well with tunes, whereas Duncan will not. So is it because they're both the comics and they bounce off each other, or is it because they're willing to play the straight man to the comic, or is it like, what? what is it? Because for me, I, I, and again, maybe I'm a purist, maybe I'm a classic where I believe that comedy works best when you have one straight man and one comic, but having well, two comics gets a little... No, yeah, to, to, me. to me, to me, Duncan, Duncan is definitely the straight man in his roles. And that's why he's so fed up is he's the one who gets humiliated all the time, you know, like, you know, like, because he's the straight guy, you know, so he's always getting pies in the face or whatever, you know, <laughs> old timey gags are, are being heaped upon him because it's funnier to see somebody with dignity get humiliated, you know. Um, but then, but then with I Ted, also think that if we're going to have more than just Roger and Eddie, then we're going to have other, like probably the CGI girl is definitely going to be the straight man. Exactly. And yeah. the middle ground might be the Teddy Valiant character and then Roger's the crazy. So we're going to get all three of them to play off each other and Absolutely. Jessica's going to be in there too. So it's not necessarily one versus the other. There's going to be a little bit of a group traveling together. And that's why I think right. I was thinking like Ben Stiller because okay. he could he could easily be feel like overwhelmed by either he side. Can do both. Yeah. He's just like you're both being ridiculous, and we need to figure this out. Just like he did in Night at the Museum with the the Cowboys versus the Romans, you know. And he had to bring them together. He had to help them see eye to eye. Anyway, anyway, yeah. love that That'd great movie, it. fine film. Not the uh, not the but. two sequels, but we'll get into no. that later. <laughs> Future episode. That's right. So we good with Ben Stiller? Jeff, do you secede to us? Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. Whatever you guys. Yeah. Okay. So I, then, I don't know. <laughs> I'm puzzled. 
So so then for for uh, the gal well, characters the, the the CG cop partner. Okay, so she's got to be she's got to be super serious. Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't mean the actress has to be super serious the, though, right. because the the actress could be a comedic actress that just can play that type of role. Well, what about your gal then? Kristen you want to throw her in here? Is this we'll a Rebel Wilson? Oh, Rebel Wilson? I would, I don't know. She might she, she might be too wild. I, I mean, she has a great voice. Obviously, the accent would play very well. Um, but I I feel like she'd be serious. Her, Hmm. What about Alison Brie? Alison Brie is really good too. Uh, she was good in the Lego Movie, of course, being kind of over the top and ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but but I think she has the ability to to bring some pathos to it. Obviously, she's been on Mad Men. You know, she's got the dramatic uh, reputation as well. So Who are we talking about? This? Wait, was it wasn't Alison Brie on Mad Men? I'm pretty sure she played somebody's wife on there. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Uh, she was what's his face's wife. Yeah, so that's what I'm oh, saying. Is that like, who that is? Mm-hmm. Oh. These are horrible pictures. Then <laughs> oh, I'm like, who am I? I mean, I at? love her from Community. That's where I yeah, know her from. Yeah, but, yeah, Community. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I actually I think Alison Brie would be a great choice because it's kind of like because also she's she's known, but she's not huge. So like really, she wouldn't overtake right. the character by being cast. You know, it's not like when you put Cameron right. Diaz as the pres the princess of Shrek. You know, it's like oh, it's Cameron Diaz talking you know like a troll yeah. a troll voice so yeah so that's pretty good because my, my other choice originally was like anna ferris is who was i, I was looking at for that but she's I mean, totally she, she's in the i think uh, she's a little too wild yeah maybe i mean she's she's done pretty well in the uh, uh cloudy with a chance of meatball movies she's the the love interest in in those films oh but, nice but no but i i, I like i like allison brie just yeah, i just I like her anyway <laughs> so that's cool all right yeah. who who else we got i think that's it I mean, we had Ted, we had Gal, we had Duncan, and I, I think those are all the new characters. Because otherwise, it's old voice so actors is, uh, reprising their roles. So we try and get the voices back for the yeah for mm-hmm. Roger and for Jessica and right. all the uh, anim- other animated ones. I mean, is there anybody just like while we're at it right now? Just speaking of cameos for you guys, do you have a favorite cartoon character show from the eighties and nineties that you want to throw in there? We gotta work some anime in there. I <laughs> Boltron. <laughs> so Robotech. No. Well that would be because which would be interesting is that we they would like they would live in Japan. And so right. they somehow yeah, we get news stories about Come Japan over come like over for reinforcements for the tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. Awesome. Yeah, which side would they fight World on? War they wouldn't tunes. really fit in. They're like, we're not really like you guys. I mean, we're 2D, but... Well, maybe that would uh, be the point. Maybe they just go over to see them and try to recruit them for help, but then they're like, nah, you guys, you know, you, you got your own thing going on over there. We're fine. Or, like, Teddy shows them a video. <laughs> it's like, how about <laughs> these guys for reinforcements? And they watch it for two seconds, and they're like, nah. Yeah, the, the weirdest of Japanese anime. <laughs> Because yeah. it is the one, and that's the one thing I'm thinking about all with cameos is that, yeah, again, you, you'd want, unless unless we're going away from Disney and Warner Brothers altogether, so we're not going to have Mickey Mouse and we're not going to have those guys make, and instead we're going to go with 80s oh, cartoons and things like that. Well, well that, that, that was uh, my thought was just to update it and give it a little bit more right. of a retro feel, which would be big right now. And, you know? and the interesting thing that you could do, well, uh, I mean, especially in your circles with the, the retro world and all that. That's right. But um, because as it was with the Warner Brothers and all that sort of stuff like that, there's certain parts of the story that I don't think you'd be able to do. I mean, like having them all ready to battle and ready to fight, you're not going to give, you know, 
Bugs Bunny, sure. You're not going to give Mickey Mouse a club and have him go fight somebody. No, it's not no, 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 no. Yeah. He's not going to let it. But if you have He-Man with a sword, that's he lives with a sword. Yeah, but you, you can have him Joe, step on somebody's foot. Who, Mickey Mouse? Not intentionally, unless you do yeah. evil Mickey. They've done evil Mickey. Sure, accidentally. <laughs> well, no, but, but I well, feel like too, a lot of it would be goofy, goofy violence. Goofy, but just yeah. accidentally hurt a ton of people. Thing that I was thinking, with Disney and Warner Brothers especially, is that now you've got both versions. Although now you're not really seeing 2D Mickey a whole lot anymore, right. but now you've got 3D Mickey. So it's just like, right. are we going to see him on both yep. sides? The, the 2D going against yeah. the Well, well that, that's, that was why I was leaning towards not having like really well-established characters that have a presence because most of them have been updated for 3D. Like taking like people like, like you're saying, He-Man, like Filmation characters, which is a company that's defunct. It doesn't exist anymore. And you could take them and use them, you know, or, you know, Inspector Gadget's back now on Netflix. But, but you know what I'm saying? Just taking some of those like really quintessentially 80s characters that never really continued out from there or 90s you know and then bringing them back and pitting them against the newer right and 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 you could have a lot of stand-in characters too like you do have certain cameos but like did you guys see wreck it ralph like where they had all the video game characters interacting you know the way they did like to me that's how i was kind of imagining this is you know you get a few familiar faces here and there and then maybe they have some analog characters that are not exactly them I think then you would, because I know Justin, I think you were kind of saying, is that you would then still have cameos from Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and those guys. And again, you could even make some sort of a reference to, you know, them on the 2D and the 3D side or or something like that. Or that, yeah, that they... It might be a joke, you know, it might be a line or a quick scene or the end of a scene or something like that. Right. Or that, like you even said, Adam, about the like, you know... He had work done or something like that. <laughs> yeah, which I That's think is hilarious. a funny That's gag. That's the joke. Yeah. He had work done means he's been turned into 3D. Yeah, exactly. Just how you stay it. relevant. Um, and I guess, you know, in this, in this case, um, I, you know, a lot of times we talk about movies that were originally scored, like the first film was scored by Alan Silvestri, you know, who did Back to the Future and so many other films. My my thought th- for this one mm-hmm. is, again, because it's a more contemporary film, I feel like it would have to have pop music in it. Like, it would have to have more kind of current-sounding, uh, you know, a, an actual soundtrack to go with it. Um, but I didn't know what you were Oh, see, I was going to say it would need more of, like, an epic soundtrack like an epic score than hmm, okay what it was originally because it seems like a more epic like we're gonna end on some kind of you know giant battle between hundreds of characters that that almost happens but doesn't happen or well, at I don't the same know. time though i mean like because like adam is saying I mean, if i think about like the lego movie where lego movie had you know that that Everything is awesome right. song that yeah. constantly. Oh, totally. What did Wreck It Ralph what was Wreck It Ralph's music like? It was like a song that was its main Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I, I think I now that I'm thinking back, I, I think Wreck It Ralph maybe, you know, like you had like, you know, the uh the candy race car, you know, stuff that was a little more, you know, kind of Japanese pop music sounding, but um that's what I'm saying. The difference with that film is with each each area you know each game they went into they had a different style of soundtrack okay. but right but it, but it was that wasn't though, pop music necessarily in that but it did yeah. sound more contemporary in some cases 
Because now the thing, at least for me, and I don't know if you guys are feeling this way, especially because we're using some of that Odyssey Warriors type right. storyline, is that, that that creates kind of this ominous, dark feel to it. So if it gets too poppy, then it's going to lose some of that. Because that's the thing is that yeah. I would see this movie, even though Lego Lego movie had like you know some gravity to it, I suppose, this movie would be significantly darker, I think, because Roger Rabbit was significantly darker than Lego movie. Whereas Lego movie, like I showed it to preschoolers and they loved it and that's fine. Roger Rabbit, yeah, again, not so. We're talking about someone being assassinated well, but maybe, you know pop music is not all like techno hip-hop right. type it stuff like have to be. Exactly. like you could have ballads you could have kind of more rock pop type stuff for the you know like like I, I feel like you can mix it up i guess my thought was just to have like actual songs worked in versus just a score i guess is what i'm saying like you would have an actual soundtrack with with you know thematically appropriate you know songs from popular artists you know that could give it a little bit more you know in the marketing side but also just kind of during the film just make it feel a little bit um different than it could because again the other yeah. one was set in the 30s and it's just that's a very different feel than making a modern film making it modern yeah i guess for that reason i guess i would want maybe more of a soundtrack because it's so modern it's not it's not um, Lord of the Rings. It's not, even though there is that, ep- they're going to be that epic, you know, crowd almost fight scene uh, that breaks, or maybe it does partially break out, uh, but it's not that kind of a battle. And uh, it's not set in the 30s. So if it's set more recent times, then they are going to be, there is going to be radio playing all yeah, the time or, or and songs it would be more in different like places that they go into all the time or something you know like for that fight scene versus versus you know just like an epic score like from spartacus or something right you know? see but i don't uh that would be i don't know there's it's gonna be tough. score to it there's score in every movie right. it's not like there's it's no score tough. at all but yeah well jeff, jeff and i think i think it's just maybe the tone we're imagining different tones because even even though it is dealing with these issues, I feel like we we kind of watered it down so much where it would be more of a more of a cartoony, ridiculous take with a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot lighter and you're going to have that pop yeah. music to make it. Oh, okay. The pop music is going to accentu- accentuate a lot of the lightness yeah. of it as opposed to having a score to make it even darker and to make it more real. Cause I think it... with all of our original so how... pitches, it would have been darker and it would have been, it would have needed just a score. But the way we've talked about it now, I feel like it has changed. Well, be okay. Because like for me, I'm still sticking with, if we've got the basic premise that you've got, you know, this conflict between these two people and then someone is, or, or maybe a group of people are shot and killed. And then, the people are blamed for the murder and all of these people are going to chase them down and try and kill them as well. That sounds pretty dark to me. But, but right, it's that's what the original story. Roger Rabbit was, but the score was really light. I don't think it was. Uh, I mean, again, like, and that's the point, like I would not recommend the original Roger Rabbit for kids and the same thing for this. Now, would you say let's market this to you know, like six year olds? No, this is yeah. I mean, this is probably be, you know older no, older tweens, you know, and stuff. Because <laughs> again, like if we're talking Lego Movie, Lego Movie, you can pitch to six year olds. Minions, you can pitch to three year olds. Yeah, we're not going that young right. with this. But like I say, okay. because it it is definitely more. And like I say, it's kind of 
it's kind of the crowd of of you know the thirty somethings that are kind of the retro ones who you know they're in they can appreciate those things from their youth the people who are going to see transformers and ninja turtles and taking their kids to go see the rebooted versions of their childhood heroes and characters you know yeah it is 15 to 35 a demographic (laughs) (laughs) sure Um. but anyway yeah so so I mean, and you know, it, it can also be a mix of both. You know, obviously, you have your moments where yeah. it's a little more dramatic, and you got to have right. just a score there to to play that up. But, All but right. uh, yeah, and I mean, like, I as far as like, is there like an appropriate artist? Like, I don't know. I I feel like a Katy Perry song in there would fit very well. To me, she's very cartoony. I was gonna anyway. say Sam Smith. Okay, give me a Sam Smith song. What's his? What's because he can do a little bit poppy, but also he's can be somber okay. as well. You know, it's good. We always go back to Bruno Mars because everybody loves Bruno. <laughs> he can give it to. He can give us the hopeful song at the end where everybody's like happy and together. They're partying. It's just laid back. Everybody's just having a good old time. But and so I was trying to think, let like, Andy Samberg the... do the score. <laughs> Gav the Lonely the Island thing. just do their uh, <laughs> they are great um, so okay well good well are there any uh, any final thoughts from you guys anything that you feel like like we're missing from the whole the whole package for those of you out there that haven't seen it go watch it it's amazing and, and it make is- people make a sequel Absolutely, make it make it worth it. Well, it is on Netflix right now, so I guess if you oh, watch it? it a million yeah. times, yeah. Well, and it is, and like, and, and it's interesting. And it feels like the last couple of, well, maybe all of them, but especially the last couple of movies that we've done. This is one that there has been lots of clamor for for years to do a sequel, and I don't know, yeah, if they're ever going to actually do it but there is always definitely a a lot of interest in this i I, for me i can certainly say i'm i'm very interested in now reading who censored roger rabbit i want to see i want to see the source material yeah definitely it could could, uh, change your whole perspective on on what could have been he did write a sequel novel as well just so you know so so there there are two kind of in that in that world all right well with that uh we want to thank everybody again for being here with us on this journey and uh, as always, we really want to hear from you. So we encourage you to find us on our Facebook group, find us on Twitter, visit sequelquestpod.com where you can get all the details of uh, where to connect with us on social media, send us an email, check out our fan art submission area and submit some fan art yourself to hear your thoughts. And most of all, if you're enjoying the show, let everybody else know, leave us a five star a rating on iTunes. Leave us a review, just a few thoughts on uh, your favorite episode or what makes you come back to hear the show. If you're uh, my sister or an old classmate, thanks for staying <laughs> the course. <laughs> and uh, just spread the word, everybody. So with uh, our request for, for reviews, we're going to give you our best Roger Rabbit, please. Take it away, Jeff. <laughs> nope, can't even do it. Please. <laughs> Justin, make him feel it. Please. Please, Eddie. We thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. 
For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest POD are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. Could not be with us, but we still have the rest of the crew. So let's oh. first hear from the gentleman to my right. So right, we're, no, we're in the same room. It's we're, I think it's all, me. Right? We're all on your right. That's, That's what's all. so confusing. We're all to the right. The I'm beauty sorry. of editing. For those of you that weren't with us when we weren't recording... So that's all uh, of you. We, uh, <laughs> we were doing uh, our best accents from. Uh, hello, guys. <laughs> Justin. Wow. We, we lost him. This uh, is his best accent right now. Apparently so. I think that was Morgan Freeman's people just shut off his mic. <laughs> <laughs> Did he just disconnect? Yeah, we lost him. Well, Jeremy, I know there's something I could be doing with the software, but I'm not skilled enough. So from. <laughs> oh. oh. Hey, hey. Oh. hello. Hello. Are we now? Hey. Yay. Except now, now, Jeff, you have a strange echo. Oh, oh you, you have, have the, the echo, echo for me. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're on two calls. calls. Yeah. Yeah, I, hang up on that other person. How do, how do I, I do, do that? that? I don't know. The I'm beauty sorry. of editing. And I'm going to reach down into my soul for this one. Please, Eddie. Nice. It kind of sounded like uh, a fart. A little bit. I may have woken up a baby. Was that, was that just your lips? Did you plub, 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 plub? Nope, I can't even do it. Roger does it with his cheek. I thought I could be able to do that. Oh, he's amazing. It's only the one dude. It's that guy. Charles it's the guy who does it. Oh, you want to hear my pitch? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The I'm beauty sorry. of editing. Do that again. <laughs>